Hey, I'm Tyler, and I host the podcast Young for This Hit, where I used to watch movies I had never seen before with friends who really liked it, but then I ran out of time because I was doing too much other podcast stuff. Anyways, now I'm watching TV shows with my friend Evan. Say hi, Evan. What? So we're watching TV shows at least one of us haven't seen, sometimes both of us. Anyways, sometimes we like them, sometimes we hate them, other times it's just, I don't know, but whatever. But anyways, well, we're watching them, and it's too young for this hit, and you can find us at probablywork.com and any other place you want to listen to podcasts, or you just hear sounds in general. That's probablywork.com, and we're too young for this hit. Well, I gotta go ahead another podcast, so bye. Oh my god, I hated that so much. I am the bringer of life. I am the destroyer of the world. I reunite nations. I kill all who oppose me. I am a machine, but I feel pain. I am human, but I feel nothing. I'm death. I'm friendship. I'm mistrust. I'm forgiveness. I'm waiting. I'm longing. I am the heart. I am the soul. The harbinger of doom. The messenger of joy. Passion. Anger. Fate. Destiny. Friendship. Love. I am the RPG. I am the golden years! Welcome to RPG, The After Years, your weekly show about all things RPGs. This is episode 82. I'm Rich. I'm Jay. And I'm Scott. Today we'll be talking about something very topical in the industry, but also very persistent. Premature release dates. But first, what's everybody up to? I'll go ahead and go first, you guys. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, so I think I think it's actually been two weeks since I've done an episode and in those two weeks, I've played an okay amount of games. So I've played The Witcher 3 uh, on the Switch. So The Switcher 3, a little bit of Resident Evil 2, still not that much. Um, I started Radiant Historia, which is a, a pretty interesting RPG. However, my 2DS is broken. Uh, so now I'm doing some things to play it on my tablet instead. Uh, but instead of doing that, I am ac- I actually started Dragon Quest IX, and that's it'll be my first Dragon Quest game, and it's fun so far. Um, let's see. What I made you want to start with Dragon Quest IX? I googled JRPGs for the Nintendo DS. Oh. I think I had of a box or a rabbit out of a hat. Yeah, that one looked... It looked pretty decent. So far, so good. Uh, so I'll I'll see how it actually is. Um, and I did play about five minutes of Chrono Trigger as well. Have you played uh, it before? I, I played it, oh God, it's probably been 12 years since I played it. Nice. So, it's, and I didn't even beat it. I, I'm, the last thing I remember is being in the world that, or the, the future where it was like totally ravished. That's hmm. the that's the last thing I remember. That's not, if I remember right, that's not very far into the game. Yeah, so maybe I can get a good squeeze out of that. Um, I played it yeah. late. I don't think I played that one until I was in in my senior year of college. So, I think I finished that two years ago. What? 
I think I played that two years ago. For the first time? It. Yeah, for the first time. Nice. Yeah. I remember it being a blast, so. Yeah, yeah it was really good. Uh, I think there's something to be said for playing it when you're a kid and getting all that nostalgia in. But uh, it's still a great game. Radiant Historia is also really good. I, I only got about three or four hours in before my 2DS... Uh, stopped charging uh, my daughter dropped it and it stopped charging and then i got a little too ambitious with trying to fix it and the, now the charging port's totally broken so theoretically i could get like a, a surrogate 2ds and just charge a battery and then pop it in there and be good to go <laughs> uh the reason why i wouldn't just use a regular 2ds is because my broken 2ds is on the special side uh sure if if i s- may stay discreet but uh <laughs> yeah I've, I've had it for like three years though so i've played a lot out of it how much are 2ds's these days like 100 bucks i think you you can get a um like the old 2ds for like 80 bucks you can but afford that jay i don't want to afford it though <laughs> so, so i'm so i'm just gonna play games on on my kindle fire that are not typically played on the Kindle fire until I'm too bored and then I'll move on. Super fancy. (laughs) I don't know anything about radiant Historia. It's really cool. It it has a kind of a similar um, time traveling aspect that chrono trigger has, except I, I feel like the time traveling is better. So the, the time traveling is a lot more involved. So in the game, and I won't, I'll try not to give any spoilers at all, but even though I didn't get too far into it, but pretty early on in the game, your the main timeline splits. Uh, so you have timeline A and timeline B, uh, and it's all dependent on one basic choice of the main character. And then as each timeline progresses, it continues to split with each important uh, decision that the main character makes. And some decisions end in like complete ruin and you make the decision and then it shows some cut scenes and it's like, everybody's dead. You messed up. And then it, the, um, it makes you go back to Historia and then choose a different uh, point in time for you to travel to and make a different decision. Um, and it has like an aspect of what's done in point a, um, the waves of that event affect timeline B so you kind of have to jump back and forth between the timelines. Does and, the uh, time travel make sense? Yeah, I mean it's it's very basic. It's uh, it's pretty much just hey, this this magic book allows you to go back to a very specific point in time where you made a decision, and you can either make that same decision or make a different decision, and then it, it lets you um, like pr- um, advance through each decision. So if you make decision A and you keep following that path of decision A, when you get bored of that, you can go back to Historia, make decision B, play that until you're bored, and then go back to where you left off in decision A. It sounds interesting. That's good because when I think of uh, time travel and video games, the first thing I think of is Chrono Trigger. The second thing I think of is FF13 too, in (laughs) which case the time travel makes zero, almost zero sense. So so it's good that it makes sense there. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good game. I like the art style and everything so far. It's got a uh, interesting... So the, the combat is very typical JRPG 
turn-based combat, but there is an outer world aspect of it whenever you're on the map and not in a battle where if you sneak up on an enemy you can hit them with your sword and knock them out and then uh, like do surprise attacks on them so it's an interesting aspect and like as you progress in the timelines you learn new skills which means you can go back to previous timelines and like go to areas or do certain things that you didn't have the skill to before one example is that um, there's a cave and in one timeline like a dude is stuck behind these uh, these rocks in the cave. He's alive and he's stuck. And then a different timeline, you go there and he is just he's dead. But if you learn the skill in timeline B, you can go back to timeline A before he died and save him. Hmm. That's pretty so, cool. Yeah, yeah, it it is it's very interesting. So I'm looking forward to playing that again. I just sounds don't like wanna... you've been playing games a little bit more than usual. Yeah. That and still watching a ton of anime. I started, uh, I, I just, so a while ago, probably like uh, almost two years ago, I'd say I watched a show called Blue Exorcist and then it just, the season ended and it's never been shown again. Um, and then it turns out they had to basically reboot it. And there's like a weird content continuity issue because the show, the first season that's on Netflix, like split off from the anime because it caught up to the anime after like episode 17. And then they just stopped after season one. And so they re have basically rebooted it to blue exorcist Kyoto Chronicles or something like that. And it picks up around episode 17 of the, uh, of the show that's on Netflix. So anything after 17 is all like fake, fake news. So is that what you were talking about in the Slack earlier with the weird continuity? Yeah. Yep. Nice. And then I binged a lot of seven deadly sins, but that's a, that's my day. That's my past couple of weeks. How about you, Rich? Well, I have been playing, so we'll kind of just start off the bat here. Uh, playing Alondra. I'm about seven hours into that. <laughs> Scouts are there clapping at me. Uh, yeah, so I've been playing that. It's not bad. Um, kind of enjoying it. Took a little break from that. Uh, played a little bit of the Switcher. Nice. You know, I picked that up. Um, it's definitely... you. I, I have played a little bit on my computer, um, and I have played on the Switch, obviously. I can tell the difference of what they had to do uh, for it to be on a cart. And I think we talked about that before, Jay, right? Like, you, they had to downgrade that a lot. So, I uh, did that. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Stardew Valley. Hey, we talked know, about that. Yeah, I don't know why I'm playing that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's been out for a long time, I think. It hadn't at least... Yeah, several years. years. Yeah. yeah. And your Tesla, right? That's where you've been playing. <laughs> yeah, totally. In my, in my Tesla. Um, I don't know why I've been playing it. I find it oddly relaxing. People you know, love that tend, game. So Yeah, it's just to tend to my fields and, and try to make some money. So um, do you like it so far? Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, it's, it's not something I'm going to be like overly excited about if they come out with a second one. Mm-hmm. But it's still a good game. I know people that don't really play games that have have like a lot of hours in Stardew Valley. So yeah, it's definitely a casual player's game. Um, I'd say that's probably as hardcore as you need it to be. Yeah. (laughs) Basically make it. So, and then other than that, personally, I did a powerlifting meet yesterday. Woo. I survived. So he showed us his trophy a minute ago. I did. He got the silver. I did. Uh, Surprised myself a little bit on a couple of the lifts there. 
Um, a guy wrapped my knees a little wrong on the second attempt on my squat and it totally messed me up. But other than that, it's pretty good. You got to learn to wrap them yourself. I do know how to wrap them, but I can't do them very tight for some reason. It's just, I don't know. I have to, I have to practice at it for sure. Um, but I thought it was a good time. I would have done you proud, Jay. I've done you did, proud. Uh, what food did you bring? That's what I'm curious about. I didn't bring any food. Oh, that, <laughs> that's a mistake. Yeah. You could have got gold. Tur- I know. Well, the thing is like it went faster than I thought it was going to do, uh, thought it was going to be. So I, by the time I was, I got done warming up, it was my flight's turn. And then when I got done, it was, you know, their group. So it went pretty quick. Um, I had, uh, I drank a lot of water pre-workout, just trying to stay amped up. I was just nervous the entire time. The, uh, the majority of the meets that I've done were all like 10 to 12 hours. Oh God, no. Jesus. Yeah. I, and all I would bring w- uh, would be like plain baked potatoes. That's, that's pretty much all I would be able to, and uh, maybe a protein bar here and there, but that's pretty much all I'd consume. And I, I yeah. usually performed pretty well too. I've got, I've got some goals for the next one in April. So we'll see how that goes. Um, I've, I'm going to spend a lot more time in the gym, I guess, to increase my numbers and make myself look good. And then who knows, maybe I'll try some of that bodybuilding stuff. Well, you gotta, you gotta make sure you have a speedo for that. <laughs> Don't you worry. All right. What? I already have one. What? Maybe we can post those pics <laughs> yeah. on the, uh, on the Patreon. Oh yeah. I know. I see a lot of people talk about their only fan stuff. Well, we do one of those. Just have me on it. <laughs> people pay money to see that. We'll sign them. Sign me up. There you go. Um, other than that, that's pretty much it. What about you, Scott? Um, nothing too much major to report on my end. Uh, we are still playing Astral Chain, although I don't think we played it much this week. Um, still playing. We start. Uh, you guys probably didn't hear, but we started Super Mario Galaxy. Uh, Corey did, and he's liking that so far. Um, we have also began. What else did we begin? Oh, um, we've been playing Final Fantasy X the remaster with a friend who never played it before. We just got past the thunder planes. And so coming up soon will be the big reveal with, uh, Seymour. So excited about that for her to see. Um, other than that, we, we finally started the Witcher show on Netflix. Uh, we are two episodes in, so time. <laughs> eventually we'll get there. Get caught up. We got an, We got to do an episode on it. The problem is, uh, we usually only watch something when we we've, we've already been drinking for quite a while. So then, by the time we we get like halfway into The Witcher, it's like, now what's going on? <laughs> I think you should take notes while you're drinking. Yes. So when you go back and review those notes, it's like all sorts of jacked up. Yeah, or like a we should have recorded like a, a drunk commentary or something. Also, when I, if we do an episode and you you are included, then that would be pretty funny. We can piece all put all the puzzle pieces together for you. Yeah, uh, I'm in, enjoying it so far. It's it's a little cheesier than I thought it was going to be going in. Um, there's like some almost cartoonish parts, I think, but I guess that helps gives the show its own flavor, sort of. Um, so yeah, I think that's about it. Still playing some some other games uh, randomly like smash and uh, ring fit adventure, but nothing uh, major to report on my end this week. 
right. So, so let's do the Twitter bracket updates. All right. So I'll go first. The 2015. We got Destiny the Taking King at 6.6%. Just Cause 3, 4.9%. Life is Strange, 16.4%. And no surprise, Witcher 3, 72.1% of the vote. Blew it out of the damn water. That's right, baby. Oh, yes. Who do you think it was? Uh, I have not won yet. Um. So is that the biggest landslide so far? I'm not sure. Yeah. Um. Well, cool. Good for The Witcher. I guess uh, it's probably going to be a contender going forward. I think. Yeah. yeah, I think so. It should be. <laughs> um. So then, 2017. No, 2016. Right. Yeah, 2016. So we had Final Fantasy 15 at 33.1%. Tales of Berseria at 9.7%. Uncharted 4 at 13.9%. And the winner with a, a huge upset, huge. So many people were, were just, you know, terrified at this. Jackbox Party Pack 3, 43.1%. I don't get that. I just don't understand. It's the electoral college, man. I guess. Well, on the one hand, I'm like, well, that was my pick for game of the year. So I can't really fault other people for picking it. On the other hand, I do wonder if that vote is kind of like a fuck you to Final Fantasy 15 from our audience. Well, I, I played Jackbox. Uh, J- yeah, Jackbox Party Pack 3 uh, over maybe it was three or I don't know if there's a newer one played Jackbox over the new years and it was a blast. It was, uh, uh, me, Megan, uh, my sister, my brother, and my brother's ex-boyfriend, now good friend, Phil. And we all just played that for a couple hours while drinking. Uh, and it was incredibly fun. I'm probably going to get it once I make enough friends to invite to my house. <laughs> You've got to go outside for that. I don't. No, you don't. <laughs> Actually, with Jackbox, you don't because you can just stream it. This is Craigslist. Uh, and I've played lots of hours of Jackbox. And uh, out of all the ones I've played, Party Pack 3 is my favorite. So, And then I also wonder if it, um, it's like a, maybe a bunch of joke folks. Uh, it's like, if you, you guys remember those character polls they used to do on Game Facts like back in the day? Yeah. You know? Uh, every summer they would have this big like character uh poll thing every day it was like this character versus this character in the later years it was always like a joke character that won uh, like um the l block from tetris or um mudkip from pokemon would win the whole thing so we might have a kid what are you saying about (laughs) mudkip i'm just saying you don't think it you wouldn't think of him as like the greatest character of all video games so uh i don't i don't think you really know mudkip then scott uh, do you like mudkips is that how the meme goes um so maybe maybe party pack three will take the whole poll here anyway I, so every time you play it does it just evolve into the most vile and disgusting thing ever i've never played anything past the first generation until Sword and Shield. So uh, I'm talking. Sorry, Jackbox, not not Pokemon. What was the question? 
<laughs> how every <laughs> pokemon is a vile and disgusting no? um uh, whenever you play jackbox party does it always devolve into like some disgusting uh like oh vile? yeah <laughs> there are definitely some things that have been played that can cannot be shared publicly <laughs> yeah that every almost nearly every game that we uh that we played it it just was incredibly disgusting and we we had to make sure we were like is it what's too far here and my brother was like there is no too far like the the uh the code for all of us to log into one of the games at one time was m k u m so it was m come <laughs> so so the majority of the yeah <laughs> the majority of the answers after uh, after that code was m come <laughs> that's Jeez. just yeah. Uh, so that's if we ever do actually stream that that's one thing we'll have to be careful about especially if we let others participate <laughs> <laughs> all right um and then in 2017 uh which is in progress as of this recording but we'll have concluded by the time this episode releases um uh, we currently have horizon zero dawn in the lead with 46.7 percent of the vote trailed by zelda breath of the wild at 38.6 and then super mario odyssey and destiny 2 lagging far behind that wait who's was destiny 2 mine yes son of a bitch (laughs) (laughs) wrong audience i guess all your games really did suck dude i know they did i can't help it well it's not that destiny 2 is a bad game it's just that these other choices are like some of the best games ever made so i'm pretty sure mine was horizon zero dawn it was Um, Corey's pretty upset about this one because Breath of the Wild is like his favorite game of all time. And I've just been saying that it's unfortunate that both of those games came out the same year. I think I think if Zelda had a bit more was a bit more story driven, it would be yeah better. But, so I think we could probably I mean anything could happen, but we could probably go ahead and call that one for Horizon. There you go. So 2018, which will is in progress as of release, we've got uh, Detroit Become Human, God of War, Octopath Traveler, and Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. God I'm of War predict. God of War is going to win this. Yeah, I predict Super Smash. Uh-uh. God of War. I think with our audience, I'm predicting God of War. Um, Have either of you played it? No. Oh my God. You haven't? Not, no. Neither of you have played this game. It's on oh, the same to be there played now. list. Yeah, it's, it, it's it should there. be on the. I own it, but <laughs> play this before you play The Witcher. Oh, I wasn't planning on starting The Witcher anytime soon. No offense. <laughs> <laughs> so play this and then immediately play The Witcher. That's <laughs> what you need to do. I'm hoping it is Smash Ultimate because that is the perfect uh, fighting game ever. But that's just my opinion. But it's not the perfect game. God of War has fighting. It has story. I think it has some boobs. I can't recall. This one was significantly more tame than the other God of Wars. True. Uh, I don't think there's a sex scene, is there? I don't recall. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's boobs. There's got to be boobs in it. It's God of War. Pleasure. I don't remember, though. I'll be pleasuring any women with my rotating thumbsticks. Yeah, it was very mature. It was a very <laughs> mature game. Very good story. Very good game. Play it. Play it, guys. I plan to. It's just got to get there first. <laughs> it's all. It, it took me like twelve or thirteen hours to beat it. 
It's in no time. Maybe after Astral Chain is done. All right. So that's it for the uh, the Twitter bracket update. So go out. Don't forget to vote for that. Um, I guess we will have to, between the, th- the three or four of us, discuss how we want the second round to play out as far as how many games per round and stuff since yeah. we'll be going pitting each year's winners anyway. But anyway, uh, moving on, just a quick state of the podcast update. We've been talking about it for a few weeks now. Um, we are going to do our official after years relaunch uh, very soon. So next week we're planning on doing the Final Fantasy VIII Part uh, Three review, assuming everything comes together on that. And then the following week will be Episode one of the RPG After Years. Woo! We have our intro together. We have our outro. We have several of our j- new jingles. We have our album art. We've got the new Patreon ready to launch, more or less. So uh, we're about to record some ads after this, some new ads for you guys. So Woo! really nothing is stopping us from relaunching. So I uh, hope you guys are all excited for that. I wonder what our our first official game review will be after the rebranding. That's a good question. Uh, this is not going to be Alondra. <laughs> yeah. Let's just throw that out there right now. I'm not really close to finishing any games right now. Or I guess you're probably not either, uh, Jay. <laughs> no. Oh, Pokemon Shield. I could I could do a Pokemon Shield review right now. There you go. <laughs> um, if I had to guess, the first thing I'll finish is um, Astral Chain. Although I just realized we beat Captain Toad Treasure Trackers. I forgot to mention that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. So yeah, everybody, please be excited for that. And we will give you more updates when the time comes. We will probably have to spend a good chunk of in the episode talking about all the new changes and stuff when we do relaunch. Astral Chain isn't even an RPG. It's an action RPG. It's an action adventure hack and slash. And you can't even play God of War. Oh, I think God. it has RPG elements. Okay. But it is stretching it a little bit. <laughs> Close enough to an RPG where I would review it on the main show instead of making it a Patreon bonus. Anyway, uh, I guess that is it for the state of the podcast. Everybody look forward to that. And now we will move on to the news. (laughs) Which we will have a jingle for uh, when we relaunch. (laughs) Just make that play every time. There you go. So our first news bit we have here is going to be Horizon Zero Dawn headed to PC. Now, that was actually originally just a Sony exclusive, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I'm confused about this. Is So is, is Horizon Zero Dawn considered a Sony IP? I thought it was. Yeah, I mean, it Pretty was. Sure it used to be. Unless they got bought out or something. Uh, didn't really say too much details on the actual article. But in 2020, it's supposed to be heading to um, PC. It was exclusive for PlayStation 4 in February 2017. Yeah, so it was developed by Guerrilla Games, which is fully owned and by Sony. Um, yeah, because didn't didn't they do um, uh, Killzone? 
That was that sounds right. I think that's the yeah. I think so. So um, I'm I'm wondering when either Sony or like uh, I wonder who's gonna buy who out first. Like at some point, this is gonna just become one giant monopoly. I'm just wondering who. Nintendo. <laughs> it's not Nintendo. <laughs> just secretly, just like how Disney all of a sudden secretly started eating other companies, and just all of a sudden now it's you know now they're Fox. So it's gonna be the same things. Nintendo's gonna slowly just start eating games, game companies up. Well, the reason but, this is so significant is it's like the first time a major Sony game has come to PC. Yeah, or you know, bought and published, fully developed by Sony. I mean, it's smart because the people who are playing PCs aren't going to go out and buy PlayStations just for Sony exclusive titles. So I think they're kind of, they, they might just be realizing that. Yeah. So if I wonder if they will continue this trend because even just, I think, late middle last year, Sony was making headlines for refusing to play nice with, uh, you know, multiplayer co-op Nintendo and Sony. Yeah. Uh, well, and you got to look at it too as a, you could buy the PlayStation games now for like nine bucks, nine, ten dollars for the PlayStation 4. They could turn around and charge a digital version of that game full price. If you think about it. Yeah. yeah. New release. Yep. Imagine how sick Horizon will look though if you can get it on a fully spec PC, assuming they optimize it. Oh, yeah. I wonder if I need to go and buy a bunch of Sony stock. I wonder if this is like a foreshadowing of them. <laughs> It would be cool if like everything, all their major properties went to PC. Yeah, um, it would certainly. I would, does it, does the article say where they're uh, if it's going to be on Steam or just like you no. buy it on PC? It just says PC right now, so hmm. we'll see. But Jay's comment does kind of allude to the next news article that we do have, which is Sony skipping E3 again. So is this the second or third year that they've done this? I think it's that's the second, the right? second year that they've done that. Right. There's a lot of uh, rumblings because of this that E3 might be on its way out. Which sucks because I actually wanted to go to that. Do you guys remember when uh, G4 Network would like cover E3 and have like the hosts of Attack of the Show like covering it? Like Olivia yeah. Mond and oh my gosh, those were the, yep. those were the <laughs> days. Uh, well, I hope that, I mean, I don't think that Sony needs E3 anymore. I don't think any of the the system makers, except for maybe Microsoft, need these big tentpole shows anymore. But it is kind of sad to me because one, there there is that nostalgia there, but it, it's, it is still considered like the biggest gaming event of the year. Um, so to see that go away, it's like almost like losing a holiday. Yeah. It's really fun following the news every day. Well, I mean, think of it this way: they could be slow. The big players could be slowly coming out of out of E3 and doing their directs. You've got Nintendo Direct, you've got the PlayStation Direct, uh, whatever the hell Xbox got. But that could move and move away from that, and in in turn, put it in develop developers in the spotlight using E3 as their platform. Yeah, Microsoft is the only one that still does the big stage shows for E3. Yeah. Uh, Nintendo does the the treehouse streams after they do their direct at E3, where they just show the games all year or all week long. But other than that, um, I mean, there are a lot of like conference events throughout the year, like um, 
PAX and Tokyo Game Show and Gamescom and so on. Um, but none of them have ever felt anywhere close to E3, in my opinion. Yeah. It could just be, like I said, they're, it's ending. It's on the way out kind of thing. So, yeah. Who knows? Well, I remember like back in the mid to late 2000s, they had a rough patch where they were talking about ending or like focusing more on tech instead of video games. And then they bounced back. So it's like a cockroach. So anyway, yeah. moving on. Cool. So a, a, a next uh, news item is that a new Elder Scrolls Online DLC has been announced. It's called Greymore. Uh, it takes place in like a, a different area of Skyrim. I don't play Elder Scrolls Online, so I'm not not quite sure. But I know it's a it's another piece of a of a year long storyline that uh, Bethesda's been trying to uh, encourage people to play. Maybe one of these days I'll play it. But the MMO field is just not my my favorite. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think. Well, Rich plays MMOs a little bit, right? Eh, I try to. It's a lot of time consuming. Yeah, it's way too time consuming. Okay, well, good for Elder Scrolls fans. Um, another rapid fire piece of news here. Um, they Nintendo announced a DLC campaign for Fire Emblem Three Houses, introducing surprise a fourth house. <laughs> There's. Uh, so they did not think ahead, did they? <laughs> We're gonna call it Three Houses. But there may be four, there may be five. Who knows? I think the concept is the fourth house like lived in the basement the whole time. And like no. <laughs> it's introducing new characters. Uh, I don't think it's like a fourth storyline path. It's just like its own separate DLC campaign. So Corey is really into Fire Emblem, so we'll probably eventually play that. Um, and then while we're on the subject of Fire Emblem. Byleth, the main character of Fire Emblem Three Houses, was added. It will be added to Smash Bros. Ultimate, I think, on the twenty eighth. The only reason we bring it up really is because Byleth is obviously a RPG character. Um, you'll have both the male and female versions. Uh, lots of people were kind of disappointed about this because this is the eighth Fire Emblem representative. And they all, like half of them have blue hair, kind of play similarly. Um, <laughs> they looks like they gave them, you know, Byleth a, a whole new moveset. So it's, it's not like it's a clone or anything. But this was also the last character that they revealed as part of the first DLC pack. So it's kind of like a big, what I understand, it's like a big downer for a lot of people. Or at least not an exciting pick. Yeah, they'll get over it. Yeah. I mean, I was expecting him to be added. I just didn't expect it as part of this first pack. But we've got six more characters to go, so we'll see how it goes. Uh, Skies of Arcadia director wants to start a fan movement for a sequel. <laughs> That's pretty much it. I've never played Skies of Arcadia. I've, I've heard a lot of people really love it, and I might play it one day. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Is the guy just like, I want a job. <laughs> I want this, people. I want you to want this. <laughs> not the first time I've seen a director do something like that. Yeah, the director, I can't remember if he's the director of Legend of Dragoon, say something on Twitter about that. So, I don't know, that's another one, which would be awesome, but, yeah. Uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield DLC. Uh, so, this is going to be Pokemon's uh, first, I say first attempt at DLC, is that right? So, the main storyline. Uh, as far as I know. 
they're doing this instead of having like a, a third version come out later. Yeah, which is nice, actually. So this is going to reduce uh, two new areas, 200 new Pokemon um, from the older generations and different versions of some of the legendaries, um, like legendary birds and uh, just all around new stuff. Pretty excited for that. I think it looks cool. I've seen it get a lot of hate, but I, I don't really understand that because I would much rather see get DLC than I, I have to rebuy another version. It's also two new wild-like areas. It's yes. not uh, not the railroads. It's not uh, the small areas that you would typically get in Pokemon. It's two new wild areas, so uh, open world areas. I'm and pretty excited about 200 it. 200 new Pokemon will might help ease the, the Dexit complaints. I, I also think that <laughs> Dexit, <laughs> love it. Uh, I think that with the inclusion of the 200 Pokemon, it, I feel like they're opening the doors for just a national pokedex at some point they just they probably just didn't have the time to um include all 700 or whatever 800 however many no kidding imagine having to make 3d models out of for all those that's a lot of pokemon 3d models and animation yeah granted i imagine a decent amount of them could be reused from like 3ds times just rendered a lot better but right knows so that'll bring us into Pokemon Mystery Dungeon DX. Uh, so this is kind of a cool one. I, I was not expecting to see this. So I, I, it sounds like neither of you have played any of the Mystery Dungeon games. I know what they are, but I haven't played them. I, I The original Mystery Dungeon, it was like Red Rescue Team, Blue Rescue Team. Uh, it was for the Game Boy Advance. And this that's essentially what this game for the Switch is remaking. It's kind of like a, a, re-ima- a reimagining, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it's even the same storyline as the, um, the Red Rescue Team and Blue Rescue Team. Um, very interesting games where you are actually playing a Pokemon. You're like a human who transformed into a Pokemon and is now in a Pokemon-only world, and you have no idea what's going on. Uh, it's very interesting, very cool, and I'm looking forward to it. The art style looks awesome. Or the yeah, new, it does. Yeah, it does look really good. And our last piece of Pokemon-related news: the new Pokemon Sword and Shield anime has premiered on YouTube. It is called Pokemon Twilight Wings. Um, there's only seven episodes. Each episode's about five or so minutes long. The reason this is sort of significant is I think the new season of the main Pokemon anime with ash and all that it's kind of doing its own thing right now like it didn't go to the sword and shield region ash is doing like a world travel thing so so i'm gonna correct you there scott go ahead i've already watched all of this um so the the kind of soft reboot of pokemon is does take a place in uh the galar region i think in like the third episode uh ash and go travel to the galar region um that's where go gets his score bunny and they um i don't know if they've seen dynamaxed pokemon yet but they they have at least gone to the galar region i i I don't think it's i'm pretty positive it's not being all based in the galar region it's going to be spread out as the more holistic um world of pokemon because ash and ash and go are like uh research assistants for somebody who is in vermilion city Vermilion City being in Kanto. I should have let you take take this story. <laughs> but yeah, that uh, that that Twilight Wings little uh, short anime that that um, they just released is really good. I don't know if you guys have seen any of the short anime um, 
that they create for Pokemon that go on the Pokemon Company YouTube channel. I've heard that that one that was about Red instead of Ash was really, really good, but I never did watch it. So they, they have a bunch of different, like five to 10 minute long episodes of like basically the game stories uh, with the game's main characters and the stories that you see in the game, not the ones that the, the anime with Ash did because the, the anime with Ash usually takes the loose um, story of each region. But these are like the, the actual games put into anime form and they're really, really good. Um, they do, they've done every single region with, with every like uh, pretty important scene or group of events that happens. They turned it into a, an anime that's kind of more, uh, it's kind of a bit more adult, <laughs> I should say. And uh, it, the Pokemon don't just say their names. They like growl and make animal like uh, sounds. It's, it's really cool. I they suggest you guys watching them. Maybe it's, that'll be the first anime I actually join you for. <laughs> you it's go. what it's what I wish the actual TV show was. Right. Um, I said that that was the last Pokemon related news, but we have <laughs> one more micro story here. Uh, apparently, there's a uh, an ASMR of Charmander. Uh, that's really weird. Uh, so, for people who don't know what ASMR is, uh, let me pull up the definition here it's autonomous sensory meridian response it's essentially where you get like the like goosebumps and like uh, uh, uh feelings down your neck and spine whenever you hear or see something that is pleasurable and it can be anything it can be like just somebody whispering in your ear um or like a, a really banging part of a of a song or something but most mostly it's around like relaxing and uh people whispering and, and trying to make you feel good. That's uh, that's about all it is. I just got goosebumps. <laughs> you should. When we put the story on the dock, Rich didn't know what ASMR was, so we had to have a, a lesson here. Yep, didn't know. <laughs> Basically, it's just 30 minutes of Charmander uh, laying by a campfire. So if you uh, you need to be soothed, uh, go, go pull that up instead of a Yule log, if that's what you normally do. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, another quick story here. Uh, Nintendo has filed for a new Mario and Luigi trademark, despite the Alpha Dream uh, studio closing. So Alpha Dream had, was responsible for the entire Mario and Luigi RPG series. They officially declared bankruptcy and closed down. Um, and then, but Nintendo has filed a new trademark, so maybe the series isn't dead after all. And so our final story. So that's, we're going to cover this one too in, in detail in our main discussion, but cyberpunk 2077 delayed to September 17th. Major I'm delay. It. I'm just going to get it for PS five now. Yep. <laughs> Basically. Uh, announced it just days after the seven remake uh, that we talked, Bill and I discussed last week. So that's it for the news. Um, we're going to move through the RPG releases quickly. Um, we'll do the pa- normally we do just the past week, but we'll do the past two weeks since we skipped this last week. Um, on January 9th was Monster Hunter World Iceborne on the PC. On the 14th was Atelier Trilogy Deluxe Pack. On the 15th was Puzzle and Dragon's Gold and Wizardry Labyrinth of Lost Souls. Uh, on the 16th was Yakuza Like a Dragon in Japan only. 
And then on the 17th was Dragon Ball Z Kakarot and Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE Encore. Um, have you played Dragon Ball Z yet, Jay? I haven't, and I don't want to get it because I have other games I want to play. I'll, I'll play it eventually, but not today, not okay. tomorrow, not within the next three months. And then in the next two weeks on the 28th, we have Pillars of Eternity 2 Deadfire and Warcraft 3 Reforged. Is that a remake? I don't know what that is. It's a reforge. <laughs> oh, okay. That explains everything. Uh, on February 4th, we'll have the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance Tactics. And then on the 6th is Grand Blue Fantasy Versus. So everybody go out and play all these games. If they Real quick, that, that just made me wish... Like for a second, I thought you were about to say Dark Cloud, and I wish they would kind of reboot or remake the Dark Cloud game, the first one, the second one. Oh, the second one was really good, but it was a little too cartoony for me. It's almost a little surprising that they haven't yet. I'm sure they will. Well, all right. So before we head into our main discussion, we're we'll take a quick break, and then we'll rejoin you guys in just a moment. And we're back for the main discussion, RPG Marketing Misfires. So we thought about a topic here with all the most recent uh, delay announcements. We had the Final Fantasy VII remake delay. We had Cyberpunk 2077. And then just today, uh, Dying Light 2. So what we're going to talk about this week is what the what is the deal with the RPG uh, games, not to mention just other ones across the board that have been announced years in advance and then all of a sudden when it gets really close to uh launching of these games all of a sudden getting getting pushed back uh two three months maybe a year some examples that we do have are final fantasy 15 south park stick of truth persona 5 horizon zero dawn breath of the wild i was a little surprised by that one um Scalebound, which was never even it's never going to be released um, so those are a couple of examples. So what we want to talk about is, you know, should the developers be told when to release the news on games? Should they be held accountable for these mishaps? What should they do to make it up for the fans? And should developers be allowed to announce games that have not been completed by a certain, by a certain percentage? So what do you guys think? I've seen a wide array of opinions on this. Um, I think it's kind of a, a very tricky subject there's a lot of like nuance to it. Yeah. Um, I, I would kind of start out by saying they should be allowed to do whatever they want to do. First of all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so I don't believe in, in kind of restricting something that is their own IP. I mean, they can have internal rules about when they should release information, but overall, I mean, if they want to announce it well before it's, even been uh well before the first line of code's been written written for it then you know that's on them they 
should be allowed to do that. Um, and I think it issue with the idea that gamers are owed anything from developers for the most part, mm-hmm. other than promising something and then not delivering like uh, No Man's Sky, things like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you look at it this way, is they're announcing the games, for example, Final Fantasy VII uh, Remake was announced how many years ago? two three years ago uh, the the remake it when was it announced that's yeah. been like five or six years five, okay so we have that which is fine they're allowed like jay says they should be allowed to do whatever they want you know announce the game say whatever is fine but when should they be allowed to announce okay this is the hard release date of this game should it be six months seven months a year or you know something a little bit more easier that way they don't overshoot themselves with the marketing mishaps that they have so what i like to say is it costs a lot of money for companies to do marketing plans and then all of a sudden when it says oh we got to push this game back six more months how much money is the company going to lose by doing that well probably not uh probably not a ton um so i think so overall i think these recent delays are pretty respectful in terms of how long they're being delayed um, I think the the biggest thing that we need to realize is that getting any kind of hard date for any kind of software to be released is incredibly difficult to do. Um, I'm sure Scott knows. Uh, Scott and I are both in the the software and the. We kind of have a unique perspective on this, or a different yeah. perspective, I think. So the fact that that the gaming industry typically is hitting that initial release right on the head. Most people make that um, make their release dates whenever they say they do is pretty impressive, especially with how difficult um, gaming is nowadays or uh, coding around gaming, how difficult it is, especially for these huge titles. So the fact that they're even able to say it, you know, we're releasing it on X, Y, and Z, even though we still have four months of, of development to do, and we still, if they make that uh, date, it's incredibly impressive because it's, I can't imagine uh, something that intensive um, being my responsibility. I mean, I, I have plenty of responsibilities of where like every, um, I have plenty of work that I have to deliver through my job, but it's, it's done in such small increments that that it's it's not like we're creating an entire game that we we release all at once. We're like doing very small sets and, and, and updates to whatever I'm working on. Uh, so it's a little more manageable. It's a lot easier to say, "Hey, I'm doing this really like these handful of really small things. I'm very confident I, I can get it to you in a month." But with these people making games, it's like, "Hey, we're creating like this a uh, this massive game. We are really thinking that we can get it done at this point in time, but there's always the chance that we can't. Another thing to keep in mind is I would venture to say most, if not all of the time, the actual developers have little to no say in the release date. 100%. They have no say. Which is why you hear about so a lot of these days, so much crunch in the video game industry. People work in incredibly intensive hours just tons of overtime if they're even getting paid overtime on top of that do you think the general public knows that 
I, think, I don't think so. No, I don't think. Uh, a lot of the people that are tuned into gaming news are starting to get the idea. I've been seeing more and more talk about crunch, but your general consumer is just going to be like, well, damn. <laughs> I, th- I think yeah. if the average person knew how overworked and, and crappy the work environment was for game developers, there would be far less people interested in the industry. It's, it's still a pretty hype industry. Plenty of people want to be a game designer or I want to make games, but I, I know several people. I work with several people people who have um, worked as game developers on uh, from ranging from like small to large companies and none of them were ended up being happy. Like they did it for a little bit for the love uh, of games and designing games, but it's just too much for them. It wasn't worth it. Yeah. So you think there should be an overhaul of the gaming industry, like developer side? I, I feel like... Uh, I, I don't know what a lot of um, how development teams and games really handle what they're doing or how, how um, like, I don't know, like in, in the software that I work in, we use agile practices. So we try to keep everything as small and, and incrementable as possible. And that usually lets us stay like a little more flexible whenever we have issues pop up. So we always have room for issues to pop up. Uh, I don't know if the development methodology behind gaming needs to change or if the, uh, like the business side of gaming needs more of a reform. I don't, most of the games are, are really top notch. Like these developers are doing a really good job, but they're also being worked like crazy because they're being given deadlines that are just unrealistic. I mean, writing code and, and um, programming, especially for games, it's hard. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it definitely is. But what about these cases like with Square Enix, uh, where it seems like just about every one of their major releases is always delayed? Do they? Uh, they have a managerial issue. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd say that. Well, if you look at this way, so Call of Duty, that is Activision itself. But they have three or four teams or production companies that actually do, like when one is released, the two other companies are already producing their version of Call of Duty. So that's why they're able to release those every year. I mean, generally, it's kind of the same engine and everything like that, but they're able to push those out every, every November, every, with, very consistent. Yeah, I mean, with Call of Duty, it is... I think Call of Duty's been using the same engine since like 2002 or some, some essentially the same engine. So I, I think um, Activision's a little different because they they found a really good formula that's working. But I also think Call of Duty Call of Duty is slowly falling off the popularity scale. Okay. Um, with games like Cyberpunk 2077 and and Final Fantasy, I'm sure that they are having to rebuild or refactor extremely large portions of their, uh, their gaming framework. Cause I, I, I doubt, you know, I doubt cyberpunk 2077 is being built on top of unreal engine or unity. It's just not what these large uh, gaming companies do. They want to have their own system that does exactly what they want it to do. And uh, it just takes time. I'm sure it's very difficult. You have to <laughs> physics alone, like uh, is very difficult, let alone applying it towards some sort of gaming engine. 
And doesn't doesn't Square Enix build a new engine for Final Fantasy every time they do it? <laughs> I feel I'm pretty sure they have. They say that they're building this new engine and it'll help drive like future games. And then they just decide to scrap it. That's what I feel. I like. think they might have finally seen the light in that regard because uh, Kingdom Hearts Three switched from using its own engine to using Unreal Engine, and Same, the Seven I, remake is also being done with Unreal. Octopath Traveler was also Unreal Engine. So maybe that maybe there are brighter days ahead in that regard for Square. Hopefully. Yeah, I think I think a gaming engine is perfectly fine. I mean, plenty of really good games have been built with Unreal Engine. Um, yeah, I'm I'm curious to see uh, if CD Projekt Red doesn't use a gaming engine that is um, that's like that. I wonder why. I wonder how much money they spent to avoid doing that because I I imagine for a game like cyberpunk 2077 how much money that's going to make or how much money the witcher made there it must have it would have cost them a fortune to have have that unreal legend license so there's not a whole lot of reason not to use one of those engines these days because they're just so they can do everything you want aside uh, unless you've determined that that how much it would cost you to rebuild it from the ground up would be less than how much you would pay for the the license. Right. I think yeah. I think Unreal Engine has a like an X amount per uh, dollar over something that you make. Um, so if if the more you sell at that point, the more you have to pay for a license. So if it's a it's a top rating game, then it may ju- have actually just been cheaper to not use Unreal Engine, and that's. Yeah money drives everything at this point. Yeah. And another thing that I've circling back to the crunch aspect, a lot of people, when these delays were announced were like, good, they won't have to, you know, do so much crunch. But then I saw another article come out uh, a few days later saying that the CD project red devs will still have crunch. Um, so it's like damned if you do damned, if you don't kind of deal. So then how much crunch would they have, would they have had without the delay? The game yeah. is already finished, apparently, and they're just using these six months to add polish, apparently. Yeah, why, I, I don't understand that. Added, like crunching for polish doesn't seem right. I think that they're not giving the full story, yeah. if I'm being honest. Unless think- they found a game-breaking bug or something that they have to go back and fix or redo some things. Polishing it up, to me, would be, okay, let's take that extra time to make sure everything works 100% there's no issues um, everything looks very pretty well put together who knows maybe something else they discovered when they put it to, to live I'm guessing that 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 just some aspect that's like really deep into the game is not up to standards of of somebody who is very important in the company like maybe maybe the way um, NPCs hold their guns at at some certain event during a battle just doesn't look good enough for them to want to release it. And it's something that's so small and minute that it's also very difficult to track down and fix. That's, that's, that's what I can see by adding polish that these little tiny, um, I don't know, UI glitches probably that, that plague a lot of huge open world games I mean, Geralt's horse would end up on a house every, every like 15 minutes when The Witcher 3 came out, and that even had a delay. 
So Roach. I think that's probably from there. <laughs> yeah, that, that's probably the polish they're trying to add. They might be trying to add uh, to avoid those kinds of glitches. Bethesda is really bad about that crap. I think the same thing happened with um, Grand Theft Auto Five, if I remember right. They had a delay, and then an article came out saying that they still had to work like twelve-hour days for six months to get it out. And they don't even work from home. Yeah, that would suck. So I feel for the devs more than anything, but I think a lot of these might come down to less development decisions and more business decisions. Like a lot of people have a conspiracy theory that the seven remake was delayed because April is the start of Square's fiscal year. That That would actually make a lot of sense. I mean, that can happen for sure. Yeah. Uh, With like the seven remake for like a month, I don't, that's not a huge deal to me. The only thing I do feel for all the people that took out vacation and now can't change it. <laughs> I, no, I okay. thought about doing that, but <laughs> I still might actually renting a cabin and just playing the seven remake all week. Sounds amazing. That yeah. I think it's a good, good game. <laughs> um, but yeah. So, what, what do you guys think drives um, these seemingly too early release? dates being given uh my guess would be management or i'm gonna i'm gonna go with money yeah it so the reason why i think that they want to release that date so far in advance to give the retailers the ability to do the pre-orders and using those pre-order bonuses to drive the sales and the hype around it so they know and can gauge how well their product is going to do once it's released like if they release that that date and nobody is excited about it or just kind of like, eh, whatever they know that they're not going to have probably a very high selling game. Whereas- I, wonder, I wonder how much a, a release date announcement affects the sales of company, like other games from the company. Like I, I wonder if the final fantasy seven, the OG one, the, what is it? 96, uh, 97. Yeah. 97. I wonder if the, the, 97 version of final fantasy seven if the sale shot up whenever that release date was announced it's a good didn't question they, didn't they do the final fantasy seven remake announcement and then they did final fantasy seven hd and they released it on the playstation 4 and, and various other things like that at the same yeah, time i think it was timed sort of like that yeah i think so i think I, another a- aspect of it uh is the fact that hype makes us advertisement for for the company so whenever whenever we get excited about final fantasy 7 remake release date being announced we're blasting all over twitter and facebook and podcasts and and uh you know threads every which way reddit's blowing up and it's like like almost free publicity for the company because you know, they're not paying us to go talk about it. We're just excited and we're talking about it. Hmm. Uh, the the one thing that I don't get, though, it's never really made sense to me. These release date announcements and then like less, less than a month or two later, they push it back. Like it seems like you would have had enough information when you made that release date announcement to know that you couldn't make it with the announcement of the delay being that close. Well, when yeah. was when was Cyberpunk? Um, I feel like their release date's been announced for six months at least. Can you imagine um, 
bringing Keanu Reeves out on stage to announce your release date <laughs> and then it not coming to pass. <laughs> oh, yeah. That is oh, disappointing. <laughs> he must well, be so disappointed. And with yeah. 15, they had that huge stage show uh, to give the uh, release date. And that, oh, yeah. That ended up being like a big wash. <laughs> I watched the whole thing. I got so excited about that. Uh, if only we times. would know then what we know now. Yeah. Well, okay. So I, I work part-time at GameStop, you know, part, part-time part now because I just kind of do it every once in a while. But they have their whole marketing campaigns around um, some of these release dates like Doom and uh, Cyber Cyberpunk. Imagine those companies have to go back and change all their marketing because of all that. So does it cost the those companies money to change all that? I imagine so. But that's yeah. part of the danger of the industry, I guess. Yeah, makes sense. I will say, um, if Seven Remake had been given a five or more month delay, like Cyberpunk was, I would be pretty devastated by that. <laughs> I think a lot of people would. Um, a month, not a big deal. Five or six, it's like, oh my god, kill me. I, I yeah, I'm pretty sad about it, but I am happy that that they're sucking it up and delaying it instead of releasing a, a buggy game. Oh yeah. I would much rather have a good game than a rushed one. I I'm, I am very disappointed that they're, they're still having to crunch their developers and that they would even release that their developers are crunching. I think we need to unionize. I feel bad for these guys. Yeah. Better to be transparent, I guess. But what if they did this? Um, did the delay for a month, and then all of a sudden again, when he says closer to the time, delayed again. Do you think that has? You know, That's happened that before with yeah. other games. I would just be like, okay, this game's not coming out. <laughs> yeah, I feel I, like I work with somebody who swears it's not coming out till twenty twenty one. He's he. It's a hill he's willing to die on. Apparently, there work. There's a multiplayer aspect to Cyberpunk, and they have already announced recently that. We probably won't be seeing that till next year. I'm not even going to touch that. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't either. I never. I don't really care about that either. It's just interesting that they, there's still that that's being worked on too. Yeah. So the overall consensus of this is we really shouldn't be blaming the developer development teams on these because most likely it's probably not their fault. So you know all the hate that developers have been getting, um, the times that they got, they got to realize that you know they're taking. 12 plus hours a day doing this stuff, spending away time from friends and family, uh, putting their whole life into this and for the community itself to be bashing them, probably should take a step back and just more be more sympathetic towards them and what they're trying to do. What if the developers just suck ass though? But but we're (laughs) not going to talk about that. (laughs) That's true. But you think they'd have been fired. But it's like, okay, do you really think Square Enix and all them would tolerate a a suck ass developer? Where are they going to find replacements, though? It's not like it's true. Whenever you look at a a job posting for somebody who is uh, like for Square Enix or for something, it's like, uh, we need somebody who's been developing games for 10 years and can do all this stuff. And it's like, there's nobody. Like the, the, I imagine they they can't really fire a lot of people because the the market for game developers who who really know what they're doing is probably incredibly low. Yeah. Oh yeah, as hard as it is to get a job, it's like it's also much requested field. I think. Yeah, like web you're, developers, you're, like like there are 
there are camps everywhere pumping out web developers left and right. Like it's not that hard to become a web developer and, and get a job doing it, but yeah. I imagine it's, it, it'll and make decent amount of money right away doing it. But with game development, I imagine you start out having to do really hard stuff and not getting paid a whole lot. Oh, uh, we've got to say that, uh, Avengers got delayed too. Although oh, yeah. I, I think a lot less people necessarily care about that one. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's another Square Enix product that's been delayed. You got Final mm. Fantasy, Avengers. Uh, we talked about it. Yeah, we talked about um, uh, what was it? Dying Light Two. I also wonder yeah. if some of this might also just have to do with how packed that early part of the year was. Could be. And Who maybe uh, maybe CD Projekt Red wants to. Well, when is the uh, when is the uh ps5 coming out uh it should be december you're crazy uh-huh. it's holiday season so i'd imagine either before black friday like november ish that could have something to do with it all of it too yeah i'm wondering if they're wanting to release it to where um cyberpunk would still be kind of fresh in the hype when the ps5 comes out so people buy it then too yeah sorry to i know you're trying to do a wrap up there rich but no that makes sense i mean but you know a lot of hate gets thrown at the developers we should probably you know be a little more sympathetic to them but we're all just humans trying to pay our bills pay our taxes love our wives navigate this great mystery that we call life on this planet earth holding hands (laughs) (laughs) so I think we're done with that discussion for tonight. So next week we are going to do Final Fantasy VIII Part Three. I think that's probably the last part of the it's, review. It's I was supposed to be. It's oh supposed to be. <laughs> I know I, Bill said he wanted to try and get all of us on there for it, but it might be hard to pull off. I would like to be there. See. Talk yeah. about the story. Yep. Yeah. Crazy um, story it has. Yeah. It, assuming everything works out with the scheduling with Bill, that's what the plan is. And then, like I said before, the uh, the week after that, assuming it all goes to plan, should be the official after year's launch. Woo! There's going to be music. There's going to be games. There's going to be parties, champagne. It's going to be lit. I might bring some kind of alcohol for our inaugural episode. Sweet. So... <laughs> With that, guys, we definitely like to hear your feedback, uh, especially when we get closer to the relaunch time. And when we do relaunch, we want us to hear from you. So please give us some feedback on your podcasting selection place. I just this totally is kind of your last training. chance to influence how the, the format of the new show will be. So, yep. I mean, we'll always uh, take feedback, but nope. <laughs> After next week, it's done. Cut, Cut off. off. No more reviews. That's locked in. We're <laughs> changing. 
Remember our Twitter game of the decade bracket reminders uh, is going to be out there. We're going to definitely keep pumping those out. We should be getting close to that. Um, and then we'll find out eventually when the game of the decade is get or what ge- the game of the decade is probably a game that Jay has suggested. I think it'll be Jack. Probably. Yeah, it'll be Jack. All right. <laughs> Remember can you guys can box. <laughs> Remember you guys can find us on our discord channel to talk to us. Um, and everybody else who loves the show, get involved with the community. Uh, rate and review us on your podcasting apps. Helps the show uh, a lot. Have, That's the number one yes. way you could help us other yes. than subscribing to the Patreon, I guess. Yes. Please leave good reviews. Please. please. <laughs> I mean, if you don't like Bill, you could tell us, but you can still give us a five-star review. So yes. just, just remember that. We will be launching our Patreon here soon. Keep an I'm eye out for that. Scott. Stay tuned. It's all set up. Just got to make it live, basically. All right. That's exciting. Uh, You guys can find us on Twitter at our RPG Years. Have you guys ever even had Jack in the Box? Yes. (laughs) I've had it once when I was in Seattle. I've never had it. (laughs) It was in. Hit me. It was in. (laughs) (laughs) Where can we find you? Uh, J A Y D Hizzle on the Twitters. And you can find me at the Scott Spot. And me at HailBlue1569. Oh, Hail the Blue. That's right. Hail the Blue. I'll tell you guys a story about why why that's my uh, tag for things. It's hilarious, actually. Uh, But thanks for listening, everybody. We hope you enjoyed it. Look forward to the next episode of the RPG After Years. Until next time, I'm Rich. I'm Jay. And I'm Scott. We'll catch you guys next time for more RPG The After Years. See ya. Later. Thank you for listening. RPG The Golden Years is produced by Bill and Rich. You can find them on Twitter at RPG Years. You can also contact Bill at Matunica and Rich at Hailu1569. You can also find them on Patreon by searching RPG Golden Years. And... As always, please show these gentlemen some love by rating and reviewing their show wherever you receive your podcast feed. And now is the time that our heroic duo check in at the local inn to replenish their HP. Good night, gentlemen. This has been a presentation of the We Can Make This Work Probably Network. Follow us on Twitter at ProbablyWork for more of our questionable content. Also, we have a website called ProbablyWork.com.